Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to episode number 39 of Sega Talk. I'm your host, George, and with me is Barry. Hey, man. I just want to say, you know, with all the things that are going on, we really appreciate our Patreons that support this show. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. And this is a special episode. We're doing it uh, this time weekly. Uh, we're going to be talking today about Vector Man, and if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see I have a Vector Man shirt on, so... That means it's like a special episode. No reason to be special, it just is. And uh, if you guys don't have money to spare and you guys want to help this show and help us grow, we would appreciate if you share the show with like-minded listeners, uh, like our video on YouTube, and uh, give us a hopefully positive rating on iTunes. That'd be awesome. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, so today we're talking about the 1995 release Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive shooter slash platformer by Blue Sky Game Software, not games, no, uh, none other than Vector Man. Hmm. Um, like every episode, we always open up. We always like to hear our history with the game, uh, stories we might have about you know how you know Vector Man uh, when we played it, uh, what we thought about it. So I'll open it up with you, Barry. What yeah. do you think about Vector Man? I mean, I like Vector Man. I like uh, Espio Man, Charmy Man. Yes. Sonic Man. Vector. Oh, oh, the Ooh. other Vector Man. Um, yeah, no, it, it was one of those games that I think everyone rented. You know what I mean? Mm, um, yeah, yeah. And I never owned it. I... I think it, it's been on some compilations since, but I it, it was something I definitely rented a few times, and I think the main draw was that it it kind of like with Donkey Kong Country, it had that uh, pre-rendered uh, sprites, which was such a cool thing at the time. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And so it was just such a fun showcase of it was kind of like the Avatar of um, Genesis, like everyone had to try it, everyone had to see it. Um, and I think some people came away loving it and remembering it for years. Other people were just like, ah, oh, cool, I experienced that. Let's move on. And that's, unfortunately, that's where I was. Like, I've never been huge into the game. Um, I've played it, but I've never, like, gone back and thought about it a lot, unfortunately. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think we're, like, kind of opposites. It's one of, like, the, I guess, last Sega Genesis games I really got that was like hyped up for uh, before the next generation of consoles. Mm -hmm. I actually was pretty into it. I thought it, I loved the motif. I love the art style. I like the character of Vector Man. I do think that the game has some bad things, like the level design in the game, very bad. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard. Um, it's very unforgiving. And one of my biggest pet peeves now that you know I play it as an adult is that they give you this speed with Vector Man. But it's so punishing because if you go too quick, you get punished hard in this game. So it's a lot of like, okay, I got to see what's ahead of me. Uh, trial and error. Uh, a lot of the levels are like open-ended. So that was also an issue. But the game has 
like really good special effects probably some of the nicest special effects on this on the mega driver sega genesis and yeah yeah and uh i really like it my brother actually has a tattoo of vector man wow oddly enough so and it's funny because he's a garbage man for the city so it kind of you know goes with the whole motif <laughs> uh so it makes sense for him to get that so let's go into the development it's weird barry because like mine is like oh this long story and stuff and you're like eh, i don't really like this game it kind of sucks actually to be <laughs> i never with you. said that <laughs> you didn't say that but if anything everybody i just want to tell you guys the truth barry didn't want me to do this this episode he actually was trying to force me to do another game but of course everybody i fought him yeah sure so hatsune so miku yeah, give this video a thumbs up because yeah. it will really make Barry mad. Don't do that. He don't. Yeah, do not give this. Don't don't give it a thumbs up. He hates it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the game and how it was developed. Uh, there was a really good Sega sixteen uh, interview with Richard Carrop, um, who was the lead developer and designer for the first Vector Man game, and, but he didn't come back for the sequel. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's a very long, detailed uh, interview about how the how the whole game you know came to be. I kind of did like a little summary here of it, so we don't have to like read because we could do a whole episode on the interview. Basically, uh, the game started development after the t team released Techno Clash, a action RPG for the Sega Genesis that was released by EA in 1993. First of all, did you ever play Techno Clash? No, I've never heard of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's actually one of the things I was saying. Like, Vector Man, like you said, people played it and they moved on. But at least Vector Man is still thought of. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen the, the art style, but it has like two army generals on the front. It's not very, like, um, pleasing to the eye, like artistically, mm -hmm. Techno Clash. But they released in 1993. Oddly enough, the developer for this game was in Blue Sky Games It was uh, that created Vector Man. It was Zono Inc., who later went on to make Mr. Bones on the Sega Saturn. Um, Richard worked on the on that game and used that technique of, you know how they had like individual sprites in uh, Gunstar Heroes, the episode we talked about this, where they would use many sprites tied together to make a moving character. They did this, uh, well, that's how Vector Man was created, with that technique. If that technique didn't exist, Vector Man wouldn't exist. Wow. Um, so they they use this technique uh, by Carl Rib Robillard Billard, and which was later uh, changed. Oh, they changed it to do pre kind of like Donkey Kong effect, where they would take an actual 3D object and make it uh, a sprite, so they could achieve 60 frames of animation, and that's when this whole movement of the art style actually started was because they found out, wow, I could, we could really animate this really quickly if we do this. And especially since according to them, uh, the animation saved memory usage since all they had to do was use, uh, store, uh, key frames, which I, if you guys know about animation, I, I, I don't know anything about it. So, um, what is your opinion on the way the team used multiple sprites to make the main character, something that was used before in Gunstar Heroes and of course, Techno Clash. Did you notice that Vector Man looked different than other main characters like Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, I uh, at the time I didn't know exactly what they were doing, but it definitely looked different. And I think again that that was kind of the appeal of the game. Checking it out, I said pre-rendered before. I don't really know how pre-rendered it actually was. 
but it seemed pre-rendered just from all these little pieces that uh, moved a little, um, I guess, unnaturally compared to, you know, sprites that you see. Um, like Eggman's Wrecking Ball, that always seemed weird to me, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah, if yeah. it was a guy made out of Eggman's Wrecking Balls. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's a cool it's a cool effect, and I think that's what makes... I think that's the main appeal of the character. I think the character design itself is not like... I mean, it's fine, but, you know, I think it's, if, uh, if it's it was... just green balls. Yeah, exactly. If this was just, like, a full sprite... I don't think it would be nearly as exciting as uh, what they actually ended up making. I, I think it really did work out because I think how expressive the animation is and how smooth it is really makes the character come to life for a 16-bit game mm-hmm. in a different way that it came to life for like Mickey Mouse. Because um, it's like there's no, like, it's just like floating balls, right? But they're so smooth and like it really captures this feel to the game where like, other games tried this, like, I'm trying to think of that 3D clay, uh, clay fighter, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. They even they had one with balls, too, made out of balls. Yeah. But it's just so terribly implemented that this game looks way better when it's animated, you know? Absolutely, yeah, so, yeah. So you, could, so you could see, like, it done right and taking it for, you know, taking it, you know, like, oh, you know, there's some stuff we take as gamers as a grain of salt. And some of that, I think, is, like, how good some of these games implemented techniques compared to other games that did it badly we just think oh that game's terrible let's move on (laughs) Mm -hmm. we don't really think about it but yeah uh the world and the the world and the design later came with mark lawrenson uh jason wiesner and carl robillard who uh spent a few days uh brainstorming and coming up with the idea of a futuristic robot that trash collects uh, they knew they knew at the time it was like a bizarre story. I, I actually don't think it's a bizarre story because that story is literally a Pixar movie. So it's not that bizarre when you look back at it. Mm-hmm. And was looking for a story just to justify the, the gameplay. They just wanted a fast platformer game with multiple weapons and tight controls, fluid animation. Uh, the final version of Vector Man we know was designed by Rick Schmitz who did a uh, concept art that would uh, be basically be the last piece of the Vector Man puzzle. So it started with the animation technique because they gave him 60 frames. Mm-hmm. And then they came up with the story that, and, and then the character design came last. Uh, as you can tell, the team wanted a flash, fast platformer with multiple weapons, tight controls, and fluid animation. Do you think they checked all these boxes when you play the game? Um, yeah, I'd say they checked all those boxes. Uh you did mention the level design, and I think that's where it, it kind of yeah. um, falls flat. Uh, when you yeah. and I don't I know we'll get into it, but like when you say level design, I, I know you mean like the layouts and stuff. But what also what didn't appeal to me was how boring the levels looked. Um, mm. It was just kind of like a night sky background from what I can remember, and like piles of garbage. It just and it, yeah yeah, I, and I think that's part of the like where. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later because it's one of the games that this game is compared to. But I think something like Donkey Kong Country, they're rare. They really put a lot more like stuff in the background. It, it feels more... Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to say cluttered, but more alive. In this one, the backgrounds were more plain. It's mm-hmm. like they focused more on the Vector Man character and, getting, and achieving the, uh, the animation on him than they did on anything else in the map, right? Right. 
Right. And I do agree that the probably the level layout is probably one of the biggest hurdles in this game. Like, when you play it or see it, you kind of think it's going to be like a Mega Man game or Pulse Man or something, but it's not really. It's like more open-ended and they want you to like lose and figure out how to get out of a map sometimes it gets frustrated and i think a lot of people give up on this game because of that but yeah i do agree that it checked those boxes though the animation tight controls Mm -hmm. um so definitely something that a lot of sega fans seem to dislike when i see online is every time the vector man is brought up there's always one game that it's compared to um you probably know what game this is right barry uh donkey kong country Yes, Donkey Kong Country. Um, a lot of fans, I don't know, like I've noticed, I, I, I was reading some forum posts to see what other people thought, and it's always, every time they bring it up, like on the Sega 16 forums or other like retro Sega forums, mm-hmm. they're always like, oh, not this comparison again. Come on, guys, let's move on. But we have to because people on the show, even on Twitter, were asking about this. And according to a lot of people, Vector Man was Sega's answer to Nintendo. I read interviews with developers and they never really said that themselves. I feel like this whole thing was like manufactured by magazines and maybe internally by Sega, like the higher ups maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Rare's smash hit Donkey Kong Country came out in 1994, which also used pre-rendered 3D models in its levels and character designs and gave the game a smooth computer generated feel when nintendo promoted donkey kong country in north america they made a point to say it's only possible on nintendo um so right now we're gonna have a look at the north american ad for donkey kong country and then we'll talk about it earth wow this is a minute (laughs) he's coming run Oof. Audacious. Oof. Wait, how long was he in hibernation? Oh, I guess for a while. You gotta, play, you gotta play the game to find out, dude. No, that's true. First ever. Really? I don't know. I don't know if that's true, actually. Whoa. Remember the cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Not on Sega. Whoa. Well... Duh, it's a it's an exclusive <laughs> not, game. Not on 32X. Not on CD-ROM. It's only for the Super Nintendo. Jungle Fever spreads, come on. November 21st, dude, you ready? No. Play it loud. Yeah, there's you see that box there? That's something that no Nintendo fan has kept. They all threw it in the trash. Because Nintendo fans were stupid, and they still kind of are. But Whoa, you know, whoa. They, I didn't know they were going to get this hateful on the podcast. No, I'm just saying they'd buy a game, and then they'd be like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a box. We throw it in the trash because it's like cereal. So, you know, you know there's going to be a clip video for the podcast, right? People are going to get very angry. Oh, no. Uh, do, I mean, so, I like uh, what do you think about the commercial? Like, the commercial is um, the most Sega commercial I've ever seen. It's, like, literally a Sega Genesis, Sega does ad, kind of, right? Yeah, and I, I'm certain that Sega were probably peeved that they were stealing their their kind of uh, feel mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, for sure. Like, it's aggressive. It's got the big words on the screen, which is very Sega CD era. Yeah. Um. It's, and to, like, you know, I just bashed Nintendo, but to bash Sega, like, they made a lot of stupid claims in their old commercials, like, you can't get this on Nintendo, 
And it's like, well, obviously it's a first party game, but I've, you know, kids didn't know that at the time. So with this one, it's like stupid that they'd be like, uh, you can't get this on Sega. And it's like, well, obviously, you know, and, uh, the, <laughs> it's, the hibernation, it's the hibernation thing was about how they were, um, hyping the idea that Donkey Kong's back because it was an arcade game, obviously. Right. Um, I didn't even know that growing up, to be honest with you. So, like, when I played it growing up, I'm like, oh, cool. And then they're, like, always making references to the old games. And I was just like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. With Cranky Con- Kong? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, let's be fair. Like, the Donkey Kong Country, the design and the gameplay is so far removed from the original Donkey Kong. Oh, for sure. You know what I it's mean? It's a totally different it's game. It's so different. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, I was going to say... Um, um, there's a comparison made, right? Usually with these two games. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think it's warranted because they both have pre-rendered graphics? Because to me, personally, I feel like these two games are totally different. Like, even design-wise, uh, Donkey Kong is a platformer that is basically just copying what's already been done before. And it's kind of right. like... It's it's a fine game. The sequel's better. But it basically just has really frustrating barrel stuff and it also has that frustrating feel that a lot of people feel with vector man but vector man seems to be taking what the sega genesis does right like more powerful mm-hmm. like the uh, the sprites you know separating the sprites and animating the character right. having special effects and donkey kong just does the pre-rendered graphics and they do it i, I think they do it better because they have more things on screen but right. i think smooth like the way it looks and the animation i think it's way better on vector man so to me i'm like give and take you know one console does something better and the super nintendo does something else better but what do you think right and i mean it could be said the super nes can't play vector man that's true it's not on it so you know it's it's like you said you know it's it's a give and take like if you look at my tv it's got a, a playstation 4 right next to an xbox one like i'm not playing sides in that sense so it's like there are one i i boot up pso2 on one of them i play yakuza on the other one like it's not a problem for me i don't get upset um as far as you know i think each game has its pluses and minuses i think they're both frustrating games oh yeah um and they're both games like i'll be honest i'd probably treat donkey kong country the same way as i do vector man if i was a super nes kid i'd be like oh, i rented it a few times i didn't own it you know, like, that's just not me. It's just not my style. Those, those like, super hard platformers are not my thing. It's funny because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Donkey Kong Country fan. So, like, mm-hmm. these two games I really like. So, it's to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I played these games, ex- ex- like, a lot. So, like, mm-hmm. to me, it's like the comparison never made sense. So, I'm like with the other Sega fans. I, I don't like it. Maybe we could talk about the graphics and what they did uh, yeah. on each console. But... It's so different, uh, and it depends on what you want. If you want nicer screenshots, definitely uh, on screenshots, Donkey Kong Country looks a lot better than Vector Man. But I think in motion, Vector Man has some cool special effects that you don't see in a, in a lot of consoles. Mm-hmm. And that's, but I, we want to hear your guys' thoughts on that in the comments, obviously. Uh, one of the reasons the graphics were held at the time. And and was featured pre-rendered 3D models like Donkey Kong Country, but so the game Vector Man also used a lot of, of uh, scrolling backgrounds, which were kind of hard. And a lot of people seem to like it because when I watch a lot of retro YouTube channels, they always talk about parallax scrolling, and they always bring up those games that do uh, 
effects like that. This is something mm-hmm. that v- Vector Man developers used a lot in a lot of these levels. Uh, while it was all gravy, a lot of uh, a lot of fans remember uh, the amazing highlight and shadow techniques used in this game that really made effects pop, like the lightning. Uh, when you shoot your gun, there's like this weird like light effect that they use, like I said. And uh, shimmering mm-hmm. waterfalls is another thing people uh, talk about. A lot of these these effects are something that Donkey Kong used at the time. Uh, they never used at the time, and it really sets these two games apart. These are just my ideas mm-hmm. put into a thing. This has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the, the, the game. Uh, do you think... Vector- well, a lot of people say that Vector Man is one of the most imp- impressive... Uh, Sega Genesis games. A lot of people put it on their top ten list. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. it's on your at least top five list of best looking sixteen bit games, or do you think it's high but not? It's not one of the best looking games in your opinion. Um, if we're just talking Sega Genesis, uh, no attachments or anything, yeah, I definitely put it at top five. Um, I I will say again though that I I don't think the art design for like the levels is all that exciting. Mm. So I think if if this game had beautiful art design, um, that was like on par with the the main characters' uh, look and feel, then I I think it would definitely be probably further up the list. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they keep including it on these compilations because it's a great showcase of what the Genesis can do. And again, like I said, I picked this up because I just heard word of mouth that it looked amazing. So, you know, there's that. There is. And um, one of the things in this game is its story, which we kind of discussed a little bit. The developers thought it was a little (laughs) strange. Uh, They thought it was a little far out there. I don't think it was that far out there. I mean, we talked about Comic Zone and going into a comic. There's a lot of bizarre stuff. And I think the 90s, we loved bizarre stuff. So... Can you read the story from within the cartridge to the listeners? So read it as it scrolls here? Yeah. Okay, let's see if I can keep up. (laughs) This will be interesting. All right, here we go. Earth. It's 2049, and Earth's cities, forests, and ice caps are fouled with toxic sludge. Humanity has escaped the stars, leaving mechanical or bots to clean up. See, they still... Yeah. <laughs> we would get to the next one. Well, yeah, yeah. See, they, they give you a lot of time to read it. Uh, let's talk about the art. Look at that. Look at that little ship there. It mm, doesn't look like... It's nice. Oh, here we go. Okay. Disaster. One powerful Orbot, Raster, oversees the cleanup through a planet-wide comnet. Tragedy strikes when, in error, attendants connect a salvaged nuclear bomb to Raster's master <laughs> control circuits. Why did they do that? Why? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> big, uh, big whoops. Orbot and Cubot, you know, a little Sonic. Uh, throwback. Sonic throwback there, yeah. Throw forward, I or guess. Throw forward, I, yeah. New order. Warhead is born, and he stands for tyranny, hatred, and oppression. By Warhead's decree, Earth is forged into an instrument of death for the returning humans. So look at him. He's got... He looks like that uh, Sonic Rush Adventure guy. Remember? Yes, he does. Yeah. There's a lot of little Sonic Team kind of ripoffs in here. Sonic Team really stole from uh, Vector Man. Hmm. I know. And, the, and supposedly Sega Japan hated this game when it was oh, here we uh, go. Uh, Vector Man. Vector Man lands his... S- 
space barge after delivering a load of sludge to the sun. <laughs> Unhindered by evil mind control, he will not rest until Warhead is defeated and the Earth is again free. Wow. And then they think it's still there. It's done. Yeah, but it's, it's like already still done. There. Yeah, it's already. That's the end of the story. <laughs> so let's discuss the story. Uh, did you pay attention to the story about throwing sludge in the and this like computer taking over AI, and that's why you're fighting these robots? And they used to be your friend. I don't know. They used to be no. your friends. No, Do I robots even past, have friends. I skipped past all this stuff every time. I never read that. I, I only I, I only uh, knew the like bare basic story, right? Like, oh, whatever. You're a trash dude. You're here. You're destroying robots. I didn't know it right. was like they had like you know. I mean, it's not really that deep, to be honest with you. It just sets up uh, what's happening. I do like the idea that he's a trash guy and he's like, uh, what's his name? Um, that movie, um, the Pixar movie. Wally. It's also this Wally. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it also has kind of that whole like uh, every everybody left Earth. And this robot's there. Obviously, they, they, they have more emotion in that movie. But it just reminded me a lot of Vector Man when I watched it. Just the idea that, like, he's a trash cleanup robot, basically. And uh, But, yeah, let's uh, move on to the next bit of the thing. What do you think about the story, though, now that you read it? I mean, it's funny because I knowing what I know now, it seems a lot like Wally. I see a lot of like Sonic kind of references in there, but this predates all those things. So technically this came first. So I, I think if I read it at the time, I think, oh, this is kind of cool. It reminds me of Captain Planet. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think the story's fine. I like the idea of him like returning after s- taking Sludge to the sun, you know, oh, yeah, as yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah, yeah I, th- I like the whole like... Uh futuristic like wasteland stuff when i was growing up like mad max and stuff so i thought that was a cool little thing like it took not like it like earth is taking care of itself with robots you know Mm sci-fi so that that was cool um as we discussed you know the story it, it seems to have a lot of things to do with like climate change and um something that sega wasn't really a stranger to i feel like sonic the hedgehog also had kind of like those vibes um in an interview with sega forever uh, Rich Carp talked a lot, uh, the lead designer, obviously, and programmer of the game, he talked about this. He said, I'm happy we use the en- environmental theme in the story because it's easy for everyone to relate to. The cleaning cleanliness of an environment is something that affects everyone, and no one wants to, uh, to uh, wants the earth to become un- unlivable. Since we didn't have a lot of stories set up in the game, it was easy for us to quickly communicate why would be in uh why there would be a nurse with no humans on it as a kid in the u.s in the 1970s i saw a lot of media imploring people to stop polluting and to take care of the environment and i think the trashed earth was a logical conclusion of the types of images we were seeing back then Mm -hmm. um i didn't grow up in the 70s but uh Dude, I don't know, man. Like, I watch these, like, old 80s movies, even, like, New York. Like, The Warriors. And it's like, yeah. man, New York... I, or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, uh, the movie looked gritty. And I'm like, well, actually, no. New York was just very gritty back then. So, it just it gave that look because that's what reality was. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's timely, too. Because, you know, as we speak, a lot of environmental protections are being rolled back because of the stuff going on. So, yeah, you know, true. it's it's like people go, 
hey, you know, we don't really have time to uh, keep the water clean because we're trying to keep people healthy. And and it's like, but don't you want clean water to keep, you know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't make much sense. Hey, I think there's something else going on here. So, yeah. you know, who's to say that in, in uh, a couple years we're going to be back to uh the the kid of the 70s who saw the media imploring people to stop polluting you know it, you never know it might and come full it, circle again it's funny though because right now it's even um, of a bigger topic right the whole idea yeah. of this so it's interesting um i do agree with him that he took the right stance at this time about i mean why would people want to live in a dirty planet right uh and i think it's something we've all tried to do slowly as humans like even in california we have like uh rules and even like the last 10 years our air has gotten a lot better right so obviously all any breathing is clean air is pretty nice i really enjoy it so i hope uh, nobody gets mad listening to this because we want to have a clean <laughs> earth <laughs> well i think uh, you know and not to i mean it's yeah, gotten well, political it's gotten political i mean it, i it mean has. but that's the it thing though be. like I, I don't think it should be because I remember, and this is Sega related, um, Sega were posting on online about, you know, uh, there was like a Earth Day initiative and they were they were showing that their employees were going out and like doing some service activities to clean the earth up. And people were like, hey, could you guys keep politics off your social media? And I was so upset. I think I, I bitched out a bunch of people because it's like it, it's our planet. It's not politics. It's our planet. It's where we live. Like, and yes, there are political uh, uh, ramifications and decisions being made. But when you, you you go to the you know bare bones of everything, do you want the planet to to survive longer or not? That's not yeah. a political question. That's a, a a question of humanity. And I think there are a lot of people out there who can't see past uh, the little bubble they live in. So like. I can breathe fine. Oh, the sun. I can see the sun. I, I don't feel any adverse effects. And I think there are also people who think, you know, they're here for a short amount of time. So as long as it's not harming them now, what's the point if you can make an extra buck or uh, or just be lazy? So, you know, I think it's yeah. I think it's it's people confusing humanity with with politics. And I think there's a difference there. I mean, and, there's a reason we have humanities and 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 environmentalist and environmentalism uh completely separate studies so i don't know i'm just and, and when we played these games like back in the olden days like we never thought like at least not me like growing up was like clean oh was, uh captain planet wants to clean the earth uh get out of here you goddamn libtard or anything like i wasn't thinking <laughs> that way right like about right. that stuff so like to me it's like why can't we just say it's nice to have clean like it's like saying don't clean your like me not cleaning my room is now a political stance, right? Like, right, come on, right. But, dude, like, what's going on here? But going back to what I was saying about Super NES boxes, like I was making a joke there, but just think back then, like uh, throwing stuff like that just in the trash, not recycling it, not giving any thought to maybe holding on to it, not just for collecting reasons, but to reduce the amount of of garbage. Like if your video games up on the shelf, just make a little extra shelf space, leave it in the box, and now you're not putting that in the trash and filling up the uh, 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 you know garbage dumps with more video game boxes. We were throwing soda cans. So I remember throwing soda cans in the trash all the time. And I feel yeah, wrong same. now when I do that. I visit people's houses and I'm like, where's your recycling bin? Oh, just throw it in the trash. I'm like, I'd rather not. <laughs> you know, like it feels I, weird. 
Yeah, and uh, I used to actually like uh, for a while I would do it, and then I found out that you could get money out of it, so I would just oh, like pick go. up all the cans, right? And then now you could save up and buy a game. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's pretty sick too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the gameplay. Um, uh, the gameplay was a pretty straightforward two D action shooter. Vector Ma- Vector Man was a robot or orbot as they called them in the games, mm-hmm. who can shoot his ball gun thing in the front, you know, those little balls. Yeah. And it has different weapon upgrades. Like one of them was like rapid fire. And you could also double jump. And uh, there was like jets shooting from your feet. So you, and you could use that to damage enemies. The game also had different different morphing abilities. That was the gimmick he kind of had as a character. Mm-hmm. And you would be able to change. He changed into a drill, a bomb, buggy car, jet, missile, fish, and a parachute. That's what they called it. Some of these uh, changes, some of these change forms also were part of a, like, a boss fight. So it would be like one was called Dancing Fool, where you can't stop dancing. <laughs> one was you turn into a train and a cricket. Uh, the game also featured multipliers, and that's like the only way you could really get a high score in this game. To uh, where it rates you, and then, you know, and then there was ratings in the, each of, in the end of each stage. You could also get up to 10 plus multiplayer, uh, multiplier within the game to help you get the high score. Uh, you can also pick up... Uh, oh, sorry. Somebody messaged me on Discord. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, anyway, so these are the rankings they gave you in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. 10,000 points was lame. 20,000 points was wicked. 40,000 points was insane. Wow. Was insane. Uh, I don't yeah. think I don't think I really cared about the scoring in this game when I when I played it and beat it. I don't, dude, I I beat this game when it came out in the Sega Genesis collection, even though I grew up with it and loved it mm-hmm. because of the safe state and I and I abused it. So I, and I don't really care because this game's hard. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mega uh, Vector Man's morphing gameplay mechanic and how it changed the? Con- oh, it, every time you would morph, mm-hmm. it would change the controls and uh, it was weird. But anyway. And do you uh, think it was implemented well within the game? Do you remember the morphing ability? Do you play I, a lot of the morphing? I do, and I was going to ask you, so could you morph on the fly, or it was only certain sections of the game? I, I, I think you had to pick up... Uh, for, I'm trying to remember. I haven't played it for like 10 years. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure there was an uh, there was sections where you had to get an update, like an upgrade, and then you would use okay. it. And then there was like the boss fights where you would be something totally different. So it's um, actually a lot like Knights. Because if you remember in Knights into Dreams, there were certain sections where you would become a bobsled. You would become, uh, what else was there? There was like a, uh, not a car, but um, he, he would become different things. So it kind of reminds me of that. I think Vector Man probably in, implemented it a little better. There was a lot more variety. Um, definitely. And a lot more creativity there. And probably, I mean, sure, the controls changed, but it sounded like you had a lot, from what I remember, you had a lot more control than, say, like, I mean, I don't know why I'm bringing up Knights so much into this, but, you know, like, move left and right. Like, I, I think there was a lot more to it than that, so that was cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it probably would have been, it would have helped if you could morph on the fly. Um, kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a treasure game you know where it just it opened up the possibilities of different weapons different ways to move through the game but you know 
Oh, well. <laughs> uh, one of the things that it's funny, though, like a lot of the stuff, the techniques, like we talked about, like uh, Gunstar Heroes use the multiple uh, sprites yeah. for bosses, and then they used it for like the main character. The thing that they never bring up treasure or they never bring up Japanese developers as like influences. So that's always weird to me because I'm always like, it had to be influenced by treasure, right? Like for this game, at least. Because mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of the stuff like, oh, th- this boss is this or whatever. Like something like it just reminds me of treasure games. I don't know why. I mean, the game doesn't look like a treasure game, but it's a shooter game where you're side scrolling shooting. And who does the best games in, on the Sega Genesis for that? Oh, treasure. So it's kind of <laughs> weird. But uh while Vector Man is one of those games that really makes you grind your teeth, you know, there's a lot of those Sega games, right, that you play and you just get, you lose and then you get really angry. Uh, the team kind of already knew that. So if you looked at the American manual, at least I didn't check the other manuals, there was a survival guide they they put in the end of it. So here's the tips. So if, if you were maximizing these tips, Barry, now you know. Here we go. Max. Max health power-ups are the most valuable item in the game. They increase Vector Man's supply of health points, allowing our hero to take more punishment. Uh, shooting downwards in the air slows Ma- Vector Man's descent and can allow access to new areas. Hitting the jump button while jumping launches a bo- boost blast, which not only extends the jump but can also defeat robots, which I mentioned. Fight enemies on slopes by crouching under their shots and shooting up at them, which is something you really figure out right away in this game. Some walls that appear solid are actually secret doors. (laughs) There are many secret areas, point bonuses, bonus games, and special codes that make it easier to get the high score and finish the game. Exploration and experimentation are very important. So is that's also important in life, guys, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Marge and Doorman are equipped with super resistant face masks that cannot be damaged, but both of those, these Orbots have their a weak spot. You just have to find it, and uh, <laughs> that's it uh, for our survival guide. Now that we, I read to you the survival guide. What do you think? You think you got this uh, game? I mean, I wish they tell me. I wish they tell me where the weak spots are instead of. Um telling me to find it but you know it's not it's not in the notes but i i thought i'd read you some tips here are all the game genie codes i'm going to read through all of them there's Ooh, a, i think about you can't, uh, 42 oh, oh. all right here we go a x k t a a eight no i'm just kidding no, okay. um but i thought you were gonna read some real codes uh, dude game genie come on dude this is no, but, perfect for game genie dude. i know but that's the thing like looking back I, I think I got the Game Genie after I kind of I rented this. Looking back, though, I probably would have loved this game a lot more if I had the Game Genie. There's um, infinite rocket boost jumps, mm-hmm. weapons don't run out, invincible, timer counts down half as fast, uh, infinite time. Um, Are we going to do a whole episode on Game Genie where we levels? Talk about yeah, well, I th- I'd love to do a Game Genie really? episode at some point. Right, I think we could. Right. I think um, we could, too. I'm, I'm trying to think, like... I even have a nice story about how I, I used to play with it because I didn't have one. My my cousin well, had one, and we, we used to just stay up all night playing that thing. I mean, like, not to get into out. not to get into episode planning in the middle of an episode, but like, yeah, there's so much to talk about, like the development of it, uh, memories, games that it worked really well with, games it didn't work well with. Sometimes they'd be like two codes, and it would be like uh, 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 
half half of your lives are gone at the beginning and you're like I don't want oh, that <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> but uh but I bring that up because vector man just looking through here it's amazing like there's tons of them and you don't always get that with these sometimes it's just a handful and they don't really help but like you could blast through this game with game genie for sure yeah, and I don't want to talk more about Kehex. Now I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this, about the Game Genie. But I'll, yeah, we'll yeah, save yeah. it for another episode. If you guys want to see that, you guys can email us at segabits at gmail.com and tell us nice things about Game Genies. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that most people discuss when talking about Vectorman today is the sound and music that were put together by John Holland, uh, which is uh, very cool-sounding electronic techno music. Um, while the game uh, was put together by John Holland and was... Uh, Pretty well composed. There was only 10 tracks. This included the options and the main menu, which meant a lot of repeated music throughout the game. Uh, what are your opinions on the music of Vectorman? Are you a big fan? Are you one of those guys that's like, eh, not for me? I know you're more, you're a techno guy, right? You listen to techno or EDM, I guess? Um, I mean, I, I used to listen to like drum and bass and uh, like house techno. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I dig the soundtrack. I like it. I don't have it on my computer, but uh, from what I remember, it was enjoyable. I think this game would have really benefited from what they did with the two Echo games, which is give it a re-release on the Sega CD. Mm. I think, um, or like, uh, who else did that? Mickey Mania did that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, as good as the music is, I think it would re- be really awesome to have a CD quality soundtrack. Mm. Um, there, f- there, there, there actually is one, but I, I was going to bring it up in the end. But oh, yeah, okay. there is one. There is one, yes. I actually own it. I was going to bring it out, but it's in all my CDs. I have them all in storage. So like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go get it just to show you guys the case of it. With, well, you guys already know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the cover of the second game, not the first game. Weird. Um, so in 2000, well, John Holland hasn't really been making a lot of game music. Uh, but in 2013, a Russian YouTuber by Valentin Kozin uh, that's his YouTube channel. Um, he talked about cre- the creation of the Vector Man soundtrack and why he chose techno uh, or electronic music. And uh, we'll be watching it. And then after he's done talking about it, we'll discuss uh, what he said, what he talked about. I'd heard a lot of Genesis music from people, and I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Not because it wasn't good, I just wanted to do something different. I was involved with dance music, I was involved in the whole electronic music scene um, at the time, you know. Okay. I thought that the best thing for being limited to six notes of polyphony, meaning six notes at one time, I think it was five or six notes, I forgot, but Get it right. at one time. So anybody who plays a musical instrument knows that that's like one chord or, you know, one guitar strum or whatever. Um, I didn't want to do I would fall asleep listening to that. So I thought, wow, wow okay, you have five or six Hans notes. Zimmer's been put on blast. Dance music <laughs> is about syncopation. Kick drum, bass line, kick drum, bass line, hi-hat, kick drum, bass. Nothing really seems to happen on the same beat. Very rare, you know, and again, depends what, what you're talking about. But in the case of the Genesis, we could make Kraftwerk Depeche Mode kind of soundtracks with using some clever syncopation, delaying the MIDI channel by a fraction so that they don't hit at the same time. So mm. now you have eighth note delays, sixteenth note delays. With, you know what I'm saying? Meaning that you get like an echo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's no echo, but you're hearing two notes. Just the second note is softer than the first. 
Is your little sample? So if you're, you know, you end up with. Yeah. So it's, the, none of the notes are hitting at the same time. Yeah. You know? All right. That's good. That is that's, the concept of the entire vector man. But yeah, um, like he said in the thing, he they did it because the way you structure and the limited sounds, I. I Personally, while I like the Vector Man soundtrack and I understand where he's coming from, why they chose it, I think it, <laughs> you know, he's making fun of that. Dun. It's funny because some of my favorite tracks are like uh, the, the intro for Streets of Rage 2 does that. So it's like, yeah. are, you, are you mocking, are you, are you low key mocking Streets of Rage, my dude? He is, no. he is. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought because I was like, remember when I heard the, the dun. It's, I don't want to do that. It's like, come on, dude. I mean, I, I think. I get I think, what he's saying, but when he yeah. was like, I don't want to make Genesis music. That's like a guy holding a guitar, being told to play a guitar. And he goes, okay, I'll play a guitar, but I don't want to play the guitar. I'm like, well, you're making Genesis music, dude. Don't you understand? I get what he means, but it's just kind of funny that he's coming from that perspective. I understand, uh, I understand when you're a musician and you don't even like video games and somebody's like, make a video game. And then now your whole life is like, hey, dude, Vector, some guy's like, you know, the your only interview you get in forever about yeah. music is about your Vector Man music. And the guy's wearing the same Vector Man shirt I was, I'm was i wearing. So yeah. I thought that was pretty funny on the video. Um, I, I laughed because he looked so super serious. It oh, cut to him he, and he was like... Mm, like he's worried. <laughs> yeah, he's worried. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that he did the interview. So uh, check out his channel. I don't know if he has any other Sega Genesis interviews. I just saw that one. Um, outside of this, uh, Vector Man was one of the few Sega games that got a Sega, Sega Tune release. Mm. Uh, it was a collection that Sega America was releasing in 1996. They only did... Uh, so this is the games that they did. Virtual Sonic, which I'm pretty sure... I forgot which one it was. 3D Blast, maybe? Uh, Toe Jam and Earl in uh, in Panic and Funkatron, Comic Zone, and obviously Vector Man got uh, got an enhanced version of the soundtrack, which sounded better. They say. Hmm. Um, um, so I have that one. Uh, Comic Zone one is an actual band. So there's an actual. I think we talked about it on the Comic Zone episode. The CD wasn't the actual band playing that was supposed to be in the universe. So they mm -hmm. did little things like that that were really cool. I wish they would have done like, I don't know, maybe extended tracks and maybe added a couple tracks for the Vector Man one. Um, I did like, my favorite one is the Comic Zone one because it's funny to have a in-world band and then you buy the CD and it's the actual sound of the what the in-world, the in-game band would sound like, I meant. Right. Um, so while we talked about the Sega Tunes version of Comic Zone in the, in the episode we did, and you guys could check that out. Um, what is your opinion on the Sega Tune soundtrack and uh, and the label? Should the label maybe make a comeback? There's a lot of these things that like sounds good, like Sega Tunes. That sounds like a good label, right? And yeah. Maybe it's it's like maybe something Sega should be looking into. I mean, it only lasted a year, but like any other Sega Genesis games that you think would have made a good CD release in Sega Tunes? Um, I think you know any of the major ones like Streets of Rage too. Sure. Uh, some of the Golden Axe games, things like that. I think at the time, though, it was a little confusing because as a kid, you'd be like, so it's the game soundtrack, but CD quality. Can I play the game and listen to it? How does that work? And um, I think we discussed this t maybe with the Comic Zone one, but if you remember, uh, what's that game? Um, Pure Solar. Yeah. Uh, that had a... Either they, they sold it and they also had the um, burnable CD. You put... 
you have the Sega CD hooked up to your Genesis. You put the CD in, you put the game in, and then the game cartridge is where the game's playing, but then the music's being fed from the CD. And that's technology I've never seen done before or since. And it's just so amazing that they were able to do that. I'm actually honestly kind of surprised that no one has tried to go and ROM hack uh, Comic Zone or Vector Man and then do that sort of setup where it reads from the CD. Maybe it's too difficult. Maybe maybe you gotta like um, like I guess um, well how would you even say it like I guess you would have to go back and like program the game from the ground up like the way yeah. you did for that one yeah so you can know when to like turn on and when to turn off right but I I mean I I think it would be cool to bring the label back I know right now they're doing a lot of Sonic remixes on the Sonic social media page um, mm. I think they just recently put a uh, what is it like Spotify playlist out there. Um, so that's cool, but yeah, I think this I, would be I, neat I to think, do. Yeah, yeah, I think we're moving on to like uh, digital music, but I I really like the idea that like some of these they when they were making the game they thought of an idea for a CD and then they released it. That's that's what that's why my comic zone is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, they could have also done like Sega CD versions of these classic games that could also double as a CD. Um, that would have been pretty cool, I guess. But um, let's talk about this. This is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a clipped part. So let's talk about the uh, the marketing for Vector Man. And marketing is something that me and you have a lot of trouble with with Sega because there's some games that have no marketing. So when we talk about the marketing, we're like, oh, it came out uh, yeah. in that year. Yeah. But Sega of America had a actual vision to push Vector Man, and we'll see it. I'm not going to spoil what their little angle is. We're going to be watching this 15-second ad, and that's the only ad this game got is 15 seconds. While we just saw a Donkey Kong commercial that was a minute, and now we're going to see 15-second Vector Man ad. Let's. Uh, you have the video queued? Yeah, I'm ready. Enter future. the future. Oh Vector yeah. Vector Man, the most revolutionary game ever for Sega Genesis. And play to win for a chance at a $25,000 grand prize. Vector Man, the assistance is futile. God damn, is that the best ad you've ever seen in your... No, okay, maybe it's not the best ad you've seen in your entire life. But it's very quick. It's so quick. That was like a seven-second ad, and then the rest of it was for the, the money Instead of the yeah. game itself. So, as you could see, uh, while we talked about how revolution in this podcast, we talked about how revolutionary the cutscene, the graphics were, the effects in the game, the soundtrack. They seem to be focused on this uh, gimmick of winning $25,000, right? Yeah. And uh, so that was a big gimmick that Sega did at the time. Um, so, what do you think? You think that... Uh, Sega actually gave out the $25,000. And by the way, that would have been $33,947 in today's cash, by the way. Wow. So uh, you think that they... Uh, oh, wait, okay. So let me let me explain how this contest worked. So mm-hmm. basically, you would uh, play the game with no cheat codes, get to the end of the game, and then you would get a message in the end of the game telling you you won $25,000 and to contact a number. When you contacted the number, I guess they would check the cartridge. And then uh, after they checked the cartridge, they would, I guess, announce a winner. There was three tier prizes. One of them was the $25,000, a VIP tour of Sega, 
and you got to start in a commercial. <laughs> the second prize was ten ten thousand dollar winners, and ninety contestants would win ninety. Uh, well, ninety contestants would be able to win Sega Saturns. Uh, so. Do you think that Sega actually gave out $25,000? Do you think it was just a marketing gimmick? Um, well, I think legally they had to be be able to give yeah. someone the prize. I think, though, you never know. I mean, was it a specific cartridge that was the one that you yeah, had to... Yeah, it, it was randomly uh, yeah, distributed. So I, th- I think they were probably like... Guys, if this game never, this specific copy never sells and sits on a shelf, we're good. If someone buys it, there's a large chance they're never going to hundred percent complete this thing. So I think we're good. You know what? Yeah, I think that happened to a lot of people, but it they actually did get a winner. And there's a press release out there. If you just Google it, you guys can read the whole press release released in 1996. The person that won it, yes, are you looking at the name of the person because it's ridiculous. That's not real. That's a real name, dude. But they call him Kiolai Koala. And so it's like a Hawaiian name, but his actual name is like Kiwala Mana Koala Uni Uni or something. Kiwala Mana Okala. I've been watching Moana and even I can't do this. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So it came out in 1996. They announced a 12-year-old named Kiola. Well, I'm going to call him from now on. Okay. One, according to the press release, the boy got his money, got flown to Sega of America, was given a victory award ceremony. Which wow. Victory is spelled B-E-C-T-O-R-Y. You know, wow. Vector Man. And he got a starring role in a Sega commercial, which I don't know which commercial it is. It doesn't say in the press release. Hmm. And he even got it, he even got to make his own page on Sega Online, which was Sega's mid-90s website. Wow. I, I looked up and I went in the way back machine. I couldn't find the page, so maybe they didn't make it. Uh, but this is the press release. I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of the press release, not the whole thing. But uh, uh, this is a quote. Keola must feel like the luckiest kid in the world, said Mike Ribrio, ex- executive vice president, Sega of America. He made it through Vector Man in three hours. That's better than anyone in our test department. Mm, I don't know mm-hmm. about that. Kiola received Vector Man on Christmas Eve. The three-year-old Sega Genesis fan... Oh, uh, thir- the what? This three-year Sega Genesis fan discovered he had a winning cartridge when You Win flashed on the television screen at the end of the game. A special hotline phone number instructed him to call in and register as a winner. I was so excited I could not believe I was the winner, said Kiola. The eldest of three brothers who will all take classes at home rather than attending school. His name, pronounced Keola, means the living branch of many nations in Hawaiian. I want to use the prize money to help my family, he continued. Uh, Like Moana. Yeah, like, exactly. (laughs) I guess it's not a stereotype. You know what? Some of those uh, Disney movies really do get stereotypes, right? I mean, I'm not saying stereotypes, but like the way the family structure is in some of these these countries. But anyway, it's not a country. But uh, do you think this kid really beat uh, Vector Man 3 in three hours by himself at 12 years old? Mm, I believe it. I mean, we've got a guy, we got Chris Tang, who's like, he was like a boy genius playing these games. And I, I... I, I asked him, I was like, dude, how old are you? Because you're talking about working for Nintendo when, like, 
you were a kid, right? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, they kind of bent some rules. <laughs> you know, so it's it's not unheard of. I think a lot of the people who do win these contests are like crazy, super out there, like, like crazy, the good, well, crazy good at games. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, the idea, like, man, I'm like, I wish I could beat this game in three in three hours. Man, I feel like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, did you ever play a game for a money contest like this? Um, I have entered two. I've entered a lot of contests through Sega specifically, um, but never to mm. play a game. I've won twice, though. I won. Um, I don't know if it was official or not, but it was make a commercial for Sonic Adventure 2. And I was a runner-up, and I got a, a, a 10th anniversary pin in the mail. And then I got uh, the, the Shenmue forklift, which was uh, you entered online, and I was driving, and I got a phone call, and I let it go to voicemail. And then I heard the voicemail, and was like, hi, this is so-and-so calling on behalf of Sega of America. And this was like like just before Sega bits. So this is before, Ooh. this is like the first time Sega's ever contacted me. So like, imagine that I was like, Oh my God. Now I'm like, Oh, it's another email oh, from okay. Sega. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, as f- for me, I think the only one I ever did was when they were doing, like they would randomly do these like Sega net, uh, like cash online things. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, I think me and my cousin entered one for, uh, NFL 2K1, I think. They were doing like an online tournament. I don't know how much the money was. Obviously, I suck at the game and I did terrible. But it was fun. It was fun staying up all night and like trying to like, oh, maybe we'll make, what are we going to do with the money and all this <laughs> stuff. But yeah. Uh, do you, Okay, so as you could tell, the marketing was basically all about the $25,000 cash. Do you think this would work today? And, do you, and are you surprised that more companies don't do it? I feel like... I mean, personally, I feel like this is outdated. Like, I remember looking at, like, old magazines and then, like, people would submit their scores by taking a picture of the TV. Yeah. Like, I don't think that would work no. anymore. And now you could, like, maybe modify cartridges, like, in, you know, with retro, you know, uh, re-release. Like, I've seen so many, like, fake Pokemon cartridges. Right. Like, you could just fake it. Uh, what do you think? Like, is this something that you would be more interested, should be used now or... You think it was a marketing gimmick of days past? I mean, now I don't think it would work anymore. I think if you did do it, though, it would be in games that are always online so that they had a way to track you and a way to communicate with you almost immediately. I'm thinking, like, I could see Fantasy Star Online 2 implementing something like this. I could see any of the, like, Sonic Dash games, like... Uh, You know, one week they're like, we'll pick a winner at random, whoever, you know, gets the best score or something like that. Um, There were competitions, I remember. uh, Sonic the Hedgehog had some, right? They were like DLC where you could actually win stuff. Um, Yeah. So it's it's not that old of a concept. Like it's not something, it's something that Sega's done even more recently, like as at least as recent as 99. Um, But I'm trying to think like, they haven't done anything like this for years. And I don't know, it's a little gimmicky. Like, it overshadowed Vector Man. Mm-hmm. It didn't age well. Like, we don't look back found, fondly on the Vector Man ads and we're like, oh, that's cool. Instead, it's a contest that came and went. You know what I mean? It's It has a shelf life. and It definitely does. Yeah, and I think if I was doing the marketing for this, I probably would have pushed the story more. I would have done more CG commercials, which is misleading, but it also looks cool. 
Uh, it actually looked really cool in the end when he said Sega and it was CG. Yeah, that was, that was the CG cool. for Vector Man, I think, looks better than the CG for Donkey Kong. I think they could have done like a short TV special, like a 22-minute Vector Man uh, 3D animation special to promote the game. Um, maybe a comic book, have Archie do a comic book. You know, stuff like that, like push the story more. Don't push it with a contest because at the end of the day, years later, people look back and they go... Oh yeah, the contest game, <laughs> you know, and it's there so, on the cover uh, art too. Like it just looks so gross. I don't know. Uh, before we move on to the next section, uh, if I, I hope that Keola is like uh, googling this and they find this, I want to know what they did with the money and if it actually did help this family out. It would be interesting. Yeah, it would so, be. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to dead projects. Um, Vector, as we while we know that Vector Man got a Vector Man two, um, the after it literally came out right after this this game came out like we got a sequel right after and then there was supposed to be a third game for the Sega Saturn and I was going to talk about it on here but I rather wait until we actually do the sequel to talk about the third game that never happened. So, but we will be talking about Vector Man on the PlayStation two. Uh, this is a. a this is back in right when Sega became third party. Sega tuned up with Pseudo Interactive to show off a brand new direction for Vec- the Vector Man franchise, where they showed the game briefly at E3 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully for the internet, it's an archive, so we actually have footage of this game, and we're going to be playing the rough gameplay demo they showed off to uh, critics uh, at the event, the E3 event. So, uh, you got that synced up, Barry? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Whew. Rebuilt, dude. Uh. Look at that. Master Chief, dude. Rearmed. Reloaded. I love Halo. Reactivated. Oh. Flamethrower, dude. Dude. That explosion. Hook. That logo. Matrix. Doubt it. Highly doubt it. That's awful. Tell me, come on, I mean, come on, that, 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 that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It screams Vector Man, right? Oh my no. god. People <laughs> thought uh, I was mean to Jet Set Radio Evolution. That was just garbage. Uh, what does Vector Man on PS2 remind you of that was popular at the time? And what do you think of this more serious take on the Vector Man uh, brand? I mean, it's it's a, it's a, per- a third-person shooter, basically, right? Like... That's what they wanted to make. That's all it is. There's, I mean, it it does not implement really any of the things that made Vector Man unique. I don't see, like, the balls. I don't see the jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see really too much of the hovering. Um, if if I was saying the art direction was a little boring on Vector Man, it was super boring here. And Ooh. it just, it looked like Sega wanted to make a third-person shooter, and so they decided to slap it onto uh, a... IP they already had 
Um, yeah. Which reminds me of like Zaxxon Escape. Remember that? Yeah. Which was just an endless runner with the Zaxxon. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, this is something that Sega was doing a lot of the time was like trying to get IPs and then trying to like, oh, what's popular? What's everybody playing? And obviously this looks like Halo. Uh, They're very highly influenced by Halo. Mm -hmm. Uh, according to a lot of the info at the time, it was supposed to have 80% of the environment uh, destructible, which was kind of unique at the time. And it was something that they obviously heavily, like really heavy, like advertised it on here. Like they showed, they showed more about what the actual game is on here than what the Vector Man commercial we saw a little bit ago. But uh, so outside of that... Um, what did the original creator think of this, the Vector Man 1 creator? Uh, well, he talked about this with Sega 16 in their interview. Uh, Richard Karp said, I only saw the PS2 Vector Man game briefly once at E3, so I cannot comment on its quality. It seemed to be headed in a darker, somewhat more realistic direction, which do- doesn't appeal to me. I think the goofiness of the original game is part of its charm. However, I am disappointed that development was canceled. Even if I wasn't following in the footsteps of the original, it still looked like a good game that would have been fun to play. Uh, I have to disagree. I actually kind of I I would love to have Vector Man come back, but not like this. Mm-hmm. Not like not like uh, Golden Axe Beast Beast Rider. Uh, another uh, interesting Sega inter, uh, Sega sixteen interview was with the actual concept artist of this. Um, Frank Transiski, which is a Russian or some (laughs) Slavic name, Mm -hmm. who was a concept artist on the canceled project. Uh, When they asked him him about the tone change, and this is what he had to say, uh, Sega wanted a title direction and character change that had a more serious overtone for gamers. There was a lack of clear character and game direction when I stepped in. Previous visual and game design testing of the character I saw was extensive, Working iterations like the original character's Orbot Ball set with energy links, which looked pretty cool. To uh, And then the often compared to the one we just saw right now. This is the, the look. <laughs> he, they called it the Halo Master Chief slash Gundam inspired uh, or Vector Chief, as they called it in the office. To summarize, yes, yeah, Sega wanted to upgrade uh, uh, an upgraded looking character. It had been extensively explored. The design wasn't set. And was was it work in progress all the way till E3? And if you look at the the gameplay they showed, it looks really rough. Um, w- do you think uh, Vector Man for P- PS2 was salvageable? And do you think Sega did the right thing by canceling the project? Um, I think they did the right thing. It just it probably would have came out as a uh, third rate Halo ripoff, not a true successor to Vector Man. And I don't think anyone would be happy. Like why? Why release a game that plays like a ton of games that are already out, you know? Um, I agree 100% with you. Like, there's no point to releasing a game that's just copying something else. Like, if you're going to make a new Vector Man, I think they need to, like, do a 2D game with, like, a unique 3D effect with a lot of lighting, a lot of cool effects, uh, a lot of charm. Uh, Take... It's okay to be silly. Like, I don't understand some... Like, it just felt like in the mid-2000s or early 2000s, every game had to have some sort of edge, you know? Like, even Sonic had edge at the time. Right. So, I, I just don't understand this whole edge. Everything had to be edgy. Mm-mm. So, 
uh, it's okay to be like that. So, according to Frank, uh, the the game was canceled shortly after uh, E3. I, I don't know if it's 2002 or 2003. I'm pretty sure it's 2003, but I said previously two for some reason. Uh, when the demo gameplay was showing, I, I wonder why it died. Mm-hmm. I mean, while the project died, Sega and Pseudo Entertainment's relationship stayed intact. Uh, they developed two final projects before they closed their doors in 2008. They made, with Sega, Full Auto and Full Auto 2 Battle Lines in 2006. Both games featured destructible environments ex- uh, like exactly how they to- to- tooted in the, the Vector Man demo. Uh, do you ever play uh, Full Auto and nobody even talks about them? So I'm assuming that Vector Man's more popular <laughs> than Full Auto. I mean, is that safe to say? Oh, for sure. I don't even know what Full Auto is. Okay, so, I mean, when the game, when Full Auto was first announced, uh, me and some online fr- uh, Sega friends, when we were talking on the Sega forum, we stayed up just to see the trailer, and we all, we all at the same time, were like, this is garbage. Um, I like the, it's basically trying to be its own, like, um, well, how do you say those games? Like, Burnout Paradise, not Burnout Paradise, but Burnout, you know, over-the-top destruction okay. games. Uh, you have guns, and it was a racing game, I, uh, and they released one. The first one came out on 360 exclusive, and the second one came out on PS3 exclusive. <laughs> Weird, right? Yeah. Um, so, not surprising that the studio is not around with us anymore. R.I.P. <clears throat> if Sega were to bring Vector Man back, what you think? They, what do you think they need to change to modernize it, or do you think they even need to change anything? And does it have to be a big budget 3D title? Um, I think. If this was like the mid 2000s or like 2010 or something, it would have to be a like a 3D game, um, maybe behind the back, sometimes 2D uh, or like 2.5D. But now I would say they could get away with doing a Streets of Rage 4, Sonic Mania sort of thing where it's truly Vector Man 3, um, upgraded 3D graphics, but still side scrolling so they could actually use 3D graphics this time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's totally doable. I think it's in a, a unique enough game that it does deserve to come back. And I think the best way to do it would be to do the proper third installment rather than, you know, dicking around and making a third person shooter or trying to make a, uh, a 3d adventure game. Yeah, I agree. Like we see stuff like wonder boy, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden it's back because they did a good job. I think they, could do the same thing with something with vector man maybe fix the level design but keep a lot of the stuff that worked um i i would love to see it i i think i I love the design so that's my personal on that um while this game actually got a demo uh, according to an interview with uh well sega 16 you know his what was his book called again i i i I didn't put it in the notes um playing at the next level Playing at the next level. They did an interview with, I guess, former employees of Sky Games. And they talked about that when the team died. Uh, so the guys that made Vector Man, Sky Games, they died in two. They closed their doors in 2001, died. It's like, this is a person. And went on, and some of the people, six people, went on to create B-Blank software at the time. And they were trying to make uh, original uh to PS2 titles. And according to one of the projects they were trying to pitch at the time, it was a 3D Vector Man game, which uh, featured the character fighting in an alien planet and had new transformations. 
but they never showed the demo to Sega because they saw that they were already working with uh, Pseudo Inter- Interactive on the PS2 one. Mm. Uh, I was looking up Beat Blink Software, didn't get anything. I don't know what they released, but I did get a hit for Beat Blink Entertainment. But I don't think they're the same team because they're the team that made Retro City Rampage, which is like a GTA pixel shooter. And when I looked at their info, they started in like 2000, mid-2000s making uh, some one guy making a homebrew port hmm. of uh, old GTA games. So that's how he got his own company. So they're, they're not the same company, but it's weird. I never heard of any games they made. Uh, obviously, the pitch never happened with Sega. I would have loved to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen anything about it. But that's all we got for Vector Man. Wow. There was also talks about them doing a 3D movie or a CGI TV show or whatever. It was really popular. I know that uh, uh, um, Earthworm Jim got one. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So I could see them trying to do this. But uh, that's it for today's episode. Like every episode, we're going to read some of your messages at the end. So, Barry, do you want to read our Patreon messages and maybe a couple of the Twitter yeah, uh, messages? Yeah, for sure. Like? So every episode, you know, if you are a Patreon member, you will get your message read. Um, I think just because of all the stuff going on right now, we're dipping into Twitter. We're giving people a little sampling, letting their words be heard, all that. So let's dive in. Here's the Patreon people. We have Brian Trong. He says, oh man, I love this game. The graphics and effects were gorgeous, and the gameplay was very fast and responsive. I didn't get into the second game as much as the first, and like a few other Sega properties, I was disappointed that they didn't continue it with their subsequent generations of systems. Nicholas Schaefer says, after Sonic, this is probably my favorite franchise on the Genesis. I got the second game first and called all my Nintendo friends over and told them you can't do this on SNES. Of course, that's not really true, but it was a testament to what the Genesis could do. I obviously had to have the first game, but couldn't find it anywhere at any of the used game stores, and stores no longer carried it new, but then one day at Toys R Us, they were getting rid of all their 16-bit games on clearance, and I found it new for five bucks. What a steal. Loved it better than the sequel. This is one title I hope gets the mania treatment. Hey, see? Uh, Daniel Andres says, I really need to get into this game more, but it is probably one of the hardest Sega Genesis games that I have ever played. I still cannot even get past the first level with it. That's probably me. Wow. That's me too, probably. (laughs) So let's be fair. Uh, Get a game genie, though. Um, Do you want to read some of the Twitter people? Nah, screw them. Let's move on. All right. No, uh, uh, Connor Boyd Gentig... At, on Twitter says Vector Man is one of the greatest games of that generation right alongside Sonic's and Mario's it is a shame uh, that no one talks about it and Sega hasn't thought about it in a couple of decades we're talking about it my dear yeah. so that counts uh, Rock Daddy <laughs> wow daddy vibes hey. here uh, he says remember how lifelike it looked I always uh, played it at stores not sure why I never bought or ask parents to do so. Obviously, at the time, we had to ask a parent. Uh, I guess I knew they were tired of me playing the Genesis. Love the game, the sequel even more, and both OSTs slap hard. That's what kids say, slap I, hard. I think that's that's enough reading. I think we're good for today. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week on the next Sega Talk episode, <sighs> where we're going to talk about... I, I'm just going to announce it right now. Don't. We're not doing a video game. We're not doing a console. I know. 
The police want me to stop. They don't want you guys to know what the next episode is. But I'll tell you. I'm not scared. I'll take a ticket. I'll get arrested. I'll let get Barry get mad at me. We're talking about Sega Don Sanshiro and its marketing and how it saved the Sega Saturn in Japan and ultimate dominance. So we'll catch you guys next week. I can't wait. But with that episode, bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.